The reason I start off with the tattoos is that there are so many things that we say in life that once they're said, they cannot be taken back. They cannot be. As many times as you, you can go and correct the, the, correct the situation, repent, and, and ask forgiveness from the person for the things you said, but it is so critical that you understand that there are things that we sow with our voice that is not repairable. Once it's said, it's said. I, I remember, I'll get to that in a minute. Go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 and 21. We always hear about verse 21, but we don't hear about verse 20. A man's belly, verse 20, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips, he he shall be filled. It is so important that you learn to say the right things, and what you say is important. If you really look at that and pay attention to it, a man's belly is satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. Many times the reason we are in one is because of things that we said, that it's a drove and it's opposition. It repels over the blessings of God and the direction of God and the common sense in your life by things that you say. I want a good life. Just speak things that are beneficial to you and those around you. How many of us have got caught up in saying things that are non-beneficial to everyone else around us and think that there's no side effects? There are side effects. There always has, there always will be. And because of these side effects, we live with, with a, tain, a tainted um, a life or a tainted background or, or tainted maybe a generation after generation after generation. You've now learned to say the right things or believe the right things or expect the right things. Qualify your life. It's established by what you say. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips he shall, he shall be filled. I believe that the way you live and the things you talk about and the things you invest in your life, there's an increase. Unless you get into folly, you get, begin to speak curses, you begin to see things, say things that are detrimental, and you begin to see your own life begin to regress. You blame everybody else, but you watch your life regress. I believe this is a progressive life in Christ. I don't believe that everything that we say is, is, is necessarily blessed or cursed, but in the in a nutshell, everything that we do say, it does carry weight. Verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm going to leave, leave it there. Death and life. Death and life are right here. What you say, how you utter it, the things you say, the things that you hear. I mean, it'll take long. You can go into, uh, when you leave here and you go to somewhere to eat or you go home in the car and, and maybe on Facebook or, or maybe to a text, you begin to, Listen to a lot of things that are not beneficial. You just sow death into your life. You may think, oh, it doesn't matter. Let me tell you, it does. It does. It is powerful, the things that we say. I'm going to go to Genesis for just a, for just a minute. And I, you don't have to go there if you don't want. It's in Genesis 1, you can read it all you want, anytime you want. But I'm going to touch on some scripture highlights. Matter of fact, stop before you go there. You can go there if you want, but you may not think that it's, in, that it's important or it's that big a deal what you say, but you have a captive audience everywhere you go. You have a captive audience either with a friend or not only you with a friend, you're with yourself. What does faith come by hearing? 
And it's by everything that you hear, everything that proceeds out of your mouth, you hear it. And if you say it enough and you do it enough, you say it enough, you'll begin to believe it. I had someone share with me this past week who's a former addict. And he said, you know, I told enough lies that I started believing my own lies. And if you tell enough negative things and you say enough things that someone did the wrong things in your life, you're going to start believing them. The power of our words in Genesis 1, verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was. And God said, verse 6, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. I'm going to stop for just a minute. I'm going to go back to verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Everything on this earth was void. Now, was this six days? Some of you... I, it probably wasn't. It probably, it may have been 6,000 years, it may have been 60 days, it may have been six months, it may have been 60 years. I don't know how long it took, but I don't think it's a literal six days. But I do believe it was God spoke all these things into existence. And the way he spoke this is the same way we speak things. And you may wonder, well, we're not like God. You're putting us in the place of God. When a guy is going to, when a guy's going to get married or, He's dating a, a girl, and, and how, how does he speak to her? Pleasant, doesn't he? It's pleasant. He gets he gets the response he's looking for. She's pleasant back. She rubs up against him like a little kitten, you know, and and she's fond fond of him, touching her, loving her. But over a period of time, if he quits the the fond talking and, and the fond, not, I'm not saying being fake, but just showing taking time to show the right kind of attention. We'll leave it alone. Okay. But in Genesis verse 26, there's a bunch of God said and God said and God said. But look at 26. And God said, let us, let us make men in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. It tells everything on the earth that we have dominion about. But let me tell you, you have dominion over your life by what you speak. You have dominion in your life over what you speak. And this isn't a, a I, I, I'm going to. Confess about a, a, a bunch of things or confess prosperity. I'm not talking about that. It's part of it. But I'm not talking about it. It's amazing how we say things and what we say. Who hears every word that you speak? God does. He knows every word you speak. And you are sowing into an account, if you will. And you watch everything that you say. And we'll get that in just a minute too. That there's things that we sow into that we receive, a, a, not a blessing, but we receive a curse. We receive something that's caused us to live temporarily. Go to Matthew, verse 12. The power of our words. Twelve thirty-six. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they will give, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. I know people and I know individuals who are preachers and everything else in the church. We think we can say whatever we want to say. Anybody can say anything they want because they have an opinion. Well, let me tell you something. You will be held accountable for every word that you speak. I don't hear a whole lot of yahoos, but it's the truth. It is the truth. The things we speak and the things we're saying. It's so important in our life that if we want our life to improve and want our life to change, there needs to be an order even in here in this house. How can you expect anybody in your household to be different if there's no order in your household? It can't be. 
If you're the head of your house, and you and your wife, and, and your talk is always a negative thing, it's always drawn toward the negative, there's no way your house can be a productive and an influential house in a positive way. Matthew chapter 12. But every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account of the day of judgment. You may think it's not that big a deal, but let me tell you something. If you're a believer in this church, you're accountable for the words that proceed out of your mouth. If it's about somebody, if it's a curse word, if, if whatever it is, if it's good, if it's edifying, if it's lifting somebody up, you're accountable. We don't like to think about that. We think that whatever we can say, it just, it just doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Because the establishment of your future is upon your words. You're held accountable. God would deal with the things that you said. Will you not go to heaven? No, it isn't about that. You go to heaven. I'm not say any more about that. How have you dealt with people? I was listening to a preacher, and he said that he was uh, down in Jamaica, and he had been preaching there a few weeks, and, and he was getting ready to, he and his wife and his kids were on the way home to get, ready, get on their plane, and he was hungry, and his kids were hungry, so he went to the, the food court or whatever was down there in Jamaica. He sat down there, there's no order, there is no get behind each other. You just, everybody just stands here, and people just step, step up and go. And he's speaking, and uh, he was waiting, and he was the next one to go. And all of a sudden, this, this gentleman came up beside him. He was, was a black gentleman, and he just stepped right up and went, and ordered, went ahead and ordered. He goes, oh, I was the next one. And I was going to tell him what I thought. And I started to speak to him. Oh, yeah, just go right ahead and go ahead and serve yourself there. I'll, I'll just wait. Soon as he, I mean, he said he was opening his mouth to speak it, and the man turned and looked at him and said, hey, you going to be speaking to church Sunday? in Lexington, Kentucky, and he was in Jamaica. He could have ruined every, every opportunity and everything he'd ever taught that man. That man was his church, and he didn't know him. It was a big church. Isn't it amazing that the, the influence that we have and the words that we speak, are, they go before us, they go with us. Everything that we do needs to be guarded with how we say them. How have you dealt with people? That was one. Carelessly, well, let me go. What have you said about people? What have you said? Well, carelessly tearing down the body, sowing, damning seeds with your mouth. You know, I was talking to Terry Blair back here. He's a farmer, and Chris is a farmer, and maybe a few of them, Mr. Wilson's a farmer. They know things about seeds. They know what soil produces the best and, and what brands produce more and whatever else. Well, I don't. Stay with me. But I know, listen, I know one kind of seed that always produces something. It's the seeds of our mouth. What we sow into our family, what we sow into our spouse, what we sow into our neighbors sitting beside us or, or riding with us to work or riding with us to town or going shopping, they're always, they're always at fertile ground of sowing something. And there's no way, if, if you were always filling my mind with negative things, there's no way that I can't be affected. And there's no way that you're not affecting those you're just talking to. How many wants a great year this year? I want a great year. I want the best year I've ever had in my life. Don't you? 
You will never receive it. You never will get it if you don't take, control, take charge of your words. In the beginning, it was the word of God. It brought everything to existence. And in the beginning of our life, as we think, well, this next year, I've got to have something different. I want to receive something. Bless God, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And he begins to convict and he deals with some of you right now. If you don't change some of the attitudes that you have with your talk, it's not going to be a different year. It's going to be the same thing. I don't really like the same thing all the time. Now, last year was a good year, but I want it to be better this year. But we sow seeds. We sow seeds. And they're going to produce something. Verse 37 says, For by your words you shall be justified, and by the words you shall be condemned. I don't think I have a, a real, bad, real bad problem talking or saying negative things. Maybe I do. If, I'm sure my wife would tell me if I, I got a problem with it. She'd tell me. That's what we have them for, right? My kids would tell me. Well, they would tell me, especially Layton for some reason. Layton thinks he can just tell me whatever. But, but I don't want to, if I have ever had a problem with that, I want to so, and I want to correct it. Because I know that in 20 years from now, many of you who have just come to the Lord in the past year, then 20 years from now, you're going to be crippled by your ability to reason right, to think right, and to sow right seed. It has to start somewhere. It needs to start here. It needs to start in your life. It needs to start in my life. We seal our destiny by our words. And used to, years ago, if I'd heard preachers talking about a seal on the destiny or anything else, I would have thought, oh, that's just whatever. But I've looked a little more now, and I've seen people who have products in their life that they're always contaminated by the things they say. When you go into prayer, do you go, oh, Father, you start blasting and telling everything bad? By words are justified or condemned. I thought of four people in the Bible that they were justified by their words, but I thought of two people that were condemned. The first one was Jabez, and the second one was Jairus. Jairus. Jabez asked the Lord for to expand his borders, and the Lord honored it because he was honorable, and he lived honorable. And I don't think he was a, word, a man of many words. I think he was a man of few words because he was very, very specific on his prayer. And God granted it to him. And he was above reproach, above all of his family. And then the second guy was Jairus, a guy who was in the synagogue, the Sadducees or Pharisees. And he was in the temple all the time and he was teaching. But he, but he had a, a dilemma in his life. And he had a little girl that was deathly ill and she was dying. She was, going, she was on the brink of death. And he had trusted everything he had ever known before, but he began to trust in something that he didn't know. And he began to say something that he didn't say. And he went to Jesus. And in his desperation, he was very desperate. And his confession was right. He said, Lord, only you can make her whole. Would you come to my house and heal her? And Jesus said, yes, I will. You know, probably know the rest of the story, but Jesus got interrupted. If I'd been Jairus or Jairus, I'd been pulling on his arm. But this woman touched his, the hem of his garment and received healing. I won't go into that now, but. 
Both of those men received exactly what they asked for. And there was a guy, my name is Jamie Judas. A guy, my name is Judas. I know there's two different accounts of how he was on a Friday night. He went and hung himself, and then, uh, and then he went and fell headlong into the field, and he busted. Stay with me. When this happened, let me tell you, when he was hung, he was hung right before the Sabbath, and he hung there overnight. And he hung to the whole Sabbath because they weren't allowed to touch the corpse on the Sabbath. So the Sunday when they went to cut him down, when they cut him down, he fell because he was bloated and he was expanded. And because of all the junk inside of all the gases, he fell and his guts burst open. It's very obvious that's what happened. So he fell forward. His life ended miserably because of what he had sold in his life. He began to say some things that were a little bit greedy on, on the outside and, and a little bit greedy on the inside. He began to filtrate the guys and he began to throw little things around. I don't know, I really assume that he kind of was distant from the rest of the guys. He became this uh, dis- plugged in, disenchanted with this following Jesus and because this lady broke an alabaster jar and, sp- and poured it all upon him. Yeah. And the other one was the thief on the cross. One of them, direction, asked Jesus basically to come into his life. And the other one rebuked him openly. Go to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 8. I'm sorry. Tattooed words of expression on a person. I know I've said things that over the years, I guarantee you, I've said a lot of things that they don't remember a whole lot about me, but they remember something I said. I've told this story before. I'll refresh your memory. But... When I was in college and, and uh, I was about to get married, my wife and I were about to get married in December. It was between, in between semesters and it was crazy, crazy. But we were getting married in between semesters and, and probably a month before I was about to get married, I went to one of my professors in college and I said, Miss Brown, can you believe I'm getting married in a month? She looked at me without cracking a smile and said, no, I sure can't. Bobby and Rhonda, they've told me a couple times, one told me, the others told me. He said, they said that when they got married, people were taking bets or assuming that they'd never make it, they'd never make it, never make it. Right? James Redcall, when he gave his heart to Christ, people at work were taking a kind of pot on a pot of, I don't know how to do that, took a pole or pot or I don't know, who cares? You know, they were all just, they all said, well, it lasts three months, it lasts six months. But none of them realized that 10, 12 years later, he's still going to be serving the Lord faithfully. Why? But every one of those persons, you all and I, remember vividly the person. I don't remember a whole lot more about Judy Brown, but I remember her words and how they spoke deep deep to my heart. The words that we are speaking every day and how we speak them speak deep into the heart of the person. They do. And it's how they live. 
and they live with the, the after effects of it. And man, I could have let that have really affected me because I've really, maybe up here I don't seem like it in things, but on a common ground, I'm pretty happy and love life and things, but you would not believe how many times I take things, not from you all, just in general, and think that if there's ever been anybody that's never going to make it, never going to kind of a loser, or not really a loser, but I'm going to shut up. I know the feeling. I know the things that I've had in my heart. Proverbs 18, Proverbs 12, verse 18 there is, he, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. And I want to stop on that first part. There is he or she that speaketh like the piercing of a sword. Harsh words, bitter words, altering words. How many have, have, have had words like this of condemnation spoken over them and it stuck? Not, not, the, not the, something positive and it stuck, but it stuck it was something negative. You always remember it. You can look in your life in the past and think of something that a teacher or a, or a fellow student or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or somebody said, and, and it sticks. And they meant it to stick at the minute, at the moment they sp spoke it. But afterwards they repented, but it still doesn't matter. They are bitter on the inside over something that happened many years ago. Let me, let me just touch on them. How many here have had words of condemnation spoken over them and it's stuck? You'll never amount to anything. I couldn't imagine that somebody saying that to me. I couldn't imagine it being said. But it said some of you in this room have had people tell you, you'll never amount to anything. Who would have you? Who would have you? I wrote down this one. You're married. And it will never last. How long have I been married, Bobby? Same as us. That was a good year back in 86. That was a good year. It's a year of promise, all right? 32 years, 32 years. And both of us had people tell us there's no way you'd make it. How about you're ugly? Man, you have gotten so ugly as you got older. You have gotten so ugly. You are a lazy bum. You are lazy. You are a lazy bum. Face it, you're a loser. I regret ever marrying you. You're nothing like your brother. You're nothing like your sister. You're a huge disappointment. I'm not attracted to you. You're never going to change. If there's any, anything you don't want to hear is, is, is that you're never going to change. Man, when you, when you work so hard to try to do things better and you're, and you're, you're keeping your head above water and you're, you're finally starting to make some ground and somebody says you're never going to change. It can make you not care if you change. I will always remember your failure. I wish I had never met you. You're so stupid. I can't stand you. Those are things that are permanently etched upon the minds of people that you say I'm against. Many of our lives have been saturated by these type of comments. Can anybody relate? 
Proverbs chapter 16. When I was in college, and uh, and Danny, my college roommate, and his mom, we used to go up to Kansas City up where he was from ever so often. His mom was a little lady. She's about, uh, probably about that tall, and, and she was kind of just, just a grandma, I guess you'd say. And she had a little restaurant, and, and there was always, she's kind of a sm- smart aleck, and just a playful smart like had fun. And we would say something to her, and she'd look at and she'd say, do I have stupid tattooed across my forehead? And she don't, doesn't know. She, she passed away now. But so many times, we, something, we thought something was tattooed. Something was upon us. Look in verse, chapter 16, verse 28. A froward, a froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. A perverse person stirs up conflict. And a gossip stirs, separates close friends. When anybody ever tells you, come here, I'll tell you something. Instantly, you ought to know something is up. If they say, come here, I want to talk to you, come by to me, I want to tell you something. Instantly, well, really? Yeah. Because what are they doing in your life? What are they doing? Whatever they're talking about is not something positive. They're saying something good about somebody. They're not exhorting another brother. They're tearing somebody down or something down. And they're picking you to be their victim because they're sowing seeds right in this ear and this seed settle in there. And then for the rest of your life, you'll always have those seeds that you'll be fighting against because they'll try to mature. If you see a little compromise, you'll, you'll begin to think and those seeds will begin to grow. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife to see, to see who, will they grow. Why do we plant seeds? We're sowing, we're farming, we're always trying to reap something good. Now, let me tell you one more thing. This is our year of difference with the things we say. And, and also, look at 17 verse 4. It talks about the person who gives an ear. Can you put 17, verse 4 on the, up the screen, Misty? A wicked doer giveth heed to false lips. A wicked doer pays attention and your ears perk up to hear something false. Or maybe it's true. I wouldn't say this. I wouldn't say this about you if you weren't here. I wouldn't say this about them if they weren't here. Oh, well, they're not here though, Right? And why would we say it about somebody? And why would we insinuate something about someone that's not something that they're not there to defend themselves on? I don't care how you say in front of them. Don't say it in front of me unless you're with them. Okay, I'm done with that. Come back up, guys. And I want Luke to sing that song that he's done. You hear me, Luke? Okay. And just now, I got one more point here. If you ever listen to someone who's trying to sow seeds into your head, you become guilty of the same thing. James chapter one. Put that put that one word up on the board, Misty, if you if you don't mind.
Now, many of you know that I spoke on that particular word a few years ago, about, oh, three or four years ago. Wait, it's an acronym for why am I talking. First of all, I'm going to stop here. I don't want anybody to look at me just for a second. I want everybody here still to love me after this. This has not been easy prepared. It was not easy to deliver, but I'll tell you this. I know that if you want a difference in your life, it's about sowing the seed and it's sowing the right seed. Being careful what you get caught up in talking about, what you do and what you don't. Look in James chapter 1 and verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to, to wrath. Just listen. Slow, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Hmm. Things that we say, are they building up? Are we edifying our brothers and sisters? Are we always the one that finds the complaint? 